It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 266 of Locked On Raptors for Saturday, January 27th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. The show is on Twitter as well, Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Of course, Locked On Raptors is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which shows team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as all 32 NFL teams. If you're a Patriots or Eagles fan, make sure you're te- checking out the Locked On show for your team ahead of the Super Bowl, uh, and the corresponding team as well. Here, the, the Eagles side, if you're a Pats fan, or vice versa. Uh, really great resource. You can also check out Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, and Locked On NBA with David Locke. Uh, and speaking of David Locke, he is the guest on today's show. It's very exciting. Um, David was in town, of course, last night for the Raptors and Jazz. A 97-93 Raptors lost to Utah that uh, kind of fell apart for the Raptors late in crunch time. We'll get into it a little bit. Um, we talk about it a little bit with David as well. Um, just my sort of thoughts on the game. It was bad. The Raptors were kind of sluggish the entire game. They had a pretty good stretch in the second quarter where the defense really locked in. The start of the fourth quarter, too, actually. The bench's defense really locked in as well. Um, the bench's defense was excellent and usually is. But that, that was kind of the, the best part, part of this game. Aside from Jonas Valanciunas, who was... Freaking ridiculous. Um, Jonas with 28 and 14 last night. Hit two threes. He was two of two from deep. Uh, 12 of 16 shooting. Uh, four blocks as well. His rim protection has been really good lately. It's not just like a one-game thing. Like He's been excellent de- de- defending the rim uh, the last few games. I think the Raptors are doing a good job of sort of helping him out and not putting him into perilous situations. And maybe some of it's been matchups or whatever. Um, you know, maybe guys who are less... You know, Dennis Schroeder, for example. You're not exactly scared of him burning you if you're going to go under screens and have the big hang back. Uh, same deal with Ricky Rubio, although Ricky Rubio did, you know, ice this game with a three late in crunch time. But uh, I, I thought Jonas Valanciunas was really good defensively in this game. He's been good defensively for the last month or so, which is weird, um, but it's very much been the case. He's got like a 103.8 defensive rating over the last 15 games, which isn't like ridiculously awesome. It's not Rudy Gobert level stuff, and we'll get to Rudy Gobert. Good God, that guy is good. Um, but Valanciunas is really good, uh, and his defense has really sort of taken a, a step up. I thought the Raptors did a good job last night helping him as well. Some sort of nice dig downs from guys like Pascal Siakam and even Kyle Lowry, who aside from like one or two decent defensive plays, Kyle was just abysmal in this game. One of the worst games I've ever seen Lowry play for the Raptors. He uh, was kind of all over the place on defense. Um, they doubled Donovan Mitchell on the final play of regulation or the, or the rookie rookie. It wasn't the last play, but it was the play that decided the game essentially. Uh, they, they doubled Ricky Rubio, uh, sorry, d- doubled Donovan Mitchell. Kyle Lowry came over, couldn't rotate back to Rubio quick enough. Um, you know, obviously that was part of the defensive call, but 
you know, Lowry's rotation wasn't great, and his his defense on the entire night was not very good. He allowed a bunch of blowbys. Offense was a little bit lazy. Um, there was a shot he put up late in the crunch time. There was like I don't know, five seconds, four seconds on the clock, and he put up like a thirty-two foot three for seemingly no reason. Like there was still time for him to take a couple steps in at least, uh, but didn't do that. Lowry was bad in this game, truly, truly bad. Uh, and it's rare that it happens. It's rare that he's like a minus. He was a minus six in this game. Um, could have been more uh, or less, I suppose. He was. Uh, pretty brutal 2 of 14 shooting 0 of 6 from deep 5 points 7 assists um, and didn't really do the Kyle Lowry things that he normally does when he's having an off offensive night so that was a bummer but yeah Jonas was really great and I think the way he's played I mean you could argue he's probably been the third best Raptor this season which is not something I would have expected coming in he's not playing a ton compared to you know what I think some people would like to see from him just because the team is so deep and they're playing Yak and Siakam so much but um, you know, last night, 27 minutes, did the 28 and 14 in that. He's averaging like 21 minutes or so over the last 15 games. And in that time, he's averaging like 13 and 9, um, shooting incredibly well. His per 36 numbers over the last 15 are excellent as well, up to like 22 and 15, uh, shooting 59.4%, 46.2 from deep as well. Uh, obviously, the free throws are always there for him as well. And he's averaging almost two blocks a game over the last 15 as well. So, uh, sorry, two blocks per 36, which is uh, a market improvement for for Valanchunas um yeah it's been really fun to watch him kind of uh you know turn into I don't I don't want to say he's been like all that much different than like peak Valanchunas in the past but it does seem like he's stringing together some games here whereas in the past you know maybe um you can kind of circle on the calendar what games Jonas is going to be really good in as opposed to the last few weeks like he's just been really good in pretty much every game um and it hasn't really been matchup dependent which is excellent to see he was kind of owning Rudy Gobert early in the game Uh, obviously Gobert uh really affected the game late his defense was just He's towering. He's scary. You could see DeMar DeRozan was not comfortable. You didn't really see DeRozan put up any any floaters in this game. Um, the sort of deterrent that Gobert is kind of forced DeRozan a couple plays to like gnash the pick and roll, which worked out really well, but it was the kind of thing that you don't often see from DeRozan. He's a lot, usually a lot more decisive and quick with his passes or his moves to the basket, but he kind of had to get creative with this one. And uh, and you saw some different sort of looks and different ways of, of him going about it. He was pretty frustrated with the refs as well. He only got to the line seven times. Um, 7 to 22 shooting not a great night for DeRozan just 19 points but um, you, you know he was frustrated you could see that the the the, the the presence that Gobert is was really uh, weighing on him a little bit. So yeah, uh, not the best game from the Raptors overall. But when you look at Rudy Gobert, I mean, it's and we talked about it with David a little bit as well. Rudy Gobert is freaking ridiculous, man. And the fact that he's back and healthy, like this Jazz team is a playoff team. If if Gobert is healthy, their defense is that good. Their offense is you know iffy, and the the, the offense in this game there was a stretch where. It was like at the start of the fourth quarter where it was like 0-0 for like three or four minutes because, you know, neither team could hit a shot, but they are also playing very good defense. It was fun to watch these two defenses go back, uh, you know, back and forth with each other. Uh, of course, the Raptors are a very different defense than what the, the Jazz are, um, but still, it's uh, it was really fun to watch them kind of go back and forth at each other. The Jazz pulled it out, you know, what are you going to do? Um, and, uh, you know... I'm not sure how much you want to take from this game. There's a thing to take from this game that maybe is something to keep an eye on. It's the late game offense. You know, the the offense late in the game was just very, very rudimentary. They, you know, DeRozan's usage rate in, in, in crunch time has been so astronomically high. I just wonder if the Raptors are doing their due diligence in sort of in, in terms of like their play calling. Because look, 
you want DeRozan taking shots. You want DeRozan with the ball in his hands. He's been so good this season that you're okay with him taking shots. If you need a two, like him shooting a mid-range jumper, I'm totally okay with that. They haven't fallen this season in situations where maybe you'd hope they would. You know, the two Warriors games, the uh, the game against the Celtics as well. Like in those small samples of the four or five mid-range shots he's taken in crunch time this season to sort of try to tie a game or put them ahead, they haven't fallen. But like those will fall. Those are shots that I'm okay DeRozan taking. It's just when you only do that. You're kind of inviting doubles and things like the, the Raptors saw last night where, you know, they were running the one-two pick and roll and they run it and then Ricky Rubio's guarding DeMar DeRozan and like that's not a matchup you want. Ricky Rubio is an excellent defender um, and it just becomes so much easier to game plan for. So I'd like to see a little bit more, cr- you know, cr- creativity, I guess, in crunch time for the Raptors. Um, last night was really the first game in which I was truly discouraged by their crunch time offense. Like I- I've kind of explained it away from the other games that they've had issues late because, you know, it's... The Warriors defense or the Celtics defense and the Jazz defense is in that tier. It's really damn good, but um, I thought there was more that the Raptors could have done just to get a little bit, bit more creative or you know try to incorporate some of their shooters, and they didn't. It was uh, or even Jonas as well. I mean, Jonas got a couple plays sort of drawn up for him late, but you know it just wasn't a, a really crisp close to this game offensively for the Raptors and um, obviously the the good has far outweighed the bad this season with the Raptors coaching staff but this is one area where I think it's starting to become apparent that maybe there's a bit of a gripe their crunch time offense has been really bad compared to their regular uh, regulation offense so um, that's something to keep an eye on for sure but other than that I mean this was a rough loss the Raptors like I think some people um, I saw Eric Kareen tweeting about this last night. Like people are like, "Oh, the Raptors played down to their competition." No, they don't. This was their first loss at home to a non-playoff team all season. They're twenty and four at home. They usually win the games that they're supposed to win. Um, so I don't think this was an example of them playing down to their competition. I think this was an example of the Jazz playing a really rugged defensive game. The Raptors missed a ton of shots. Uh, Blake Murphy tweeted out today: the Raptors were sixteen of forty-seven on open looks, which is really hard to do, even if you're trying to miss shots. Um, and so it just wasn't the Raptors' night. Uh, and, and, you know, that's going to happen sometimes. That's fine. Kyle Lowry's not going to go 0-6 from 3 all the time. Serge Ibaka's not going to go 1-5 from 3 all the time. Um, you know, the, this, these nights happen, I suppose, and maybe they're happening a little bit more often than you'd like to see, but the Raptors have maintained a really good offense. They're still a top-five offense, top-five defense, and I, I'm not too concerned about the long-term, you know, sustainability of the offense. Of course, come playoff time, some of these issues that are rearing their heads are some of the issues that have hurt the Raptors in the playoffs. I'm still going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, there's still time to sort of refine their approach late in games and things like that. But, um, you know, this is an annoying loss. I don't know if we're going to look back at it thinking it's like a terrible loss for the Raptors because I think the Jazz might go on a run here. But still, you don't want to lose to a team that's 20-28 and 28 or 21-28 and 28 now. And uh, I'm sure the Raptors will move on. And they play the Lakers on Sunday, so there's a chance to rebound, I suppose. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, let's get to the conversation now with uh, David Locke. Uh, once again, the, the play-by-play man for the Utah Jazz on the radio, and also the, the founder and boss man of the, of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Uh, David's awesome, and he's incredibly smart. He knows his stuff inside and out. Uh, so here's this very crudely recorded thing with David. So just a heads up, the audio is not amazing. We recorded it in not usually when I record a podcast inside the ACC, the audio is a little iffy, but this is even more so because we're doing it like in the bus tunnel. Um, uh, just because he was uh, flying out and he was worried the bus was going to leave. So we recorded it like literally next to the bus. Um, and uh, it's with a phone, not the mic. So it's not the best audio in the world, but it's very listenable. I've kind of tried to clean up some of the background noise a little bit. There's a couple times where like cars drive by or like carts are going by where it's really loud. But other than that, uh, it's a good eight minute chat with, with David Locke, who is uh, once again, super duper smart, knows his stuff inside and out, has some great numbers and tidbits to throw out there as well. And uh, yeah, it's a good time. So listen to the conversation here with David Locke, and I'll be back on the other side to uh, wrap things up. All right, joining me now on Locked on Raptors from deeper inside the bowels of the ACC than we normally would be, it's the Grand Poobah of the Locked on Podcast Network, Utah Jazz Radio Play-By-Play Band, David Locke. How's it going? I'm good. That was a good win for the Jazz. Probably not a great loss for the Raptors. No. Um, but the Jazz might be, with Rudy Gobert, a little bit better than their record, but yeah. I still don't think it's a great loss for the Raptors. No, it's pretty bad. Uh, the crunch time offense kind of fell apart, uh, and that's, I think, kind of the story of this one. I mean, the Raptors are kind of sluggish to start, but the second quarter, uh, their defense really kicked in. Their offense sort of got together around Jonas Valanciunas, and then it all fell apart in the fourth quarter. What did you see from the Raptors in those final few minutes as things kind of you know got away from them? What's well, interesting, just in my prep, if you look at the clutch numbers, it's really DeRozan in the – in the clutch this year, not Lowry. Lowry hasn't been good in the clutch this yeah, year. Yeah. And so then it's really reverting back to the whole DeRozan mid-range game, which isn't terrible. You know, a mid-range high percentage shot late in the game is, you know, the the sample size is smaller, so then the analytics work more and you're are not as bad. Yeah. Um, but it, it did feel as though, and then what really happened is the Je- Gobert is such an impact that yeah. they're bringing DeRozan off a pick and roll and Gobert's coming all the way out and really forcing you to get to Valanchunas and then the Jazz are dropping another guy down and Sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't, but it was very clear tonight that Valanciunas' numbers came off the fact that DeRozan and Lowry couldn't get their numbers, yeah. and and so they're all interrelated. Not Gobert's really special. I mean, he's incredible, and the Jazz defense against Detroit was great. It was great again tonight, and he's getting healthier. And you kind of go back and look at the Jazz before May, uh, November 10th when he got hurt against Miami. They had six or seven of their best defensive games. Like you start to dig into this thing. And the Jazz defense, that's actually what I did Locked on Jazz on today. Yeah. The Jazz defense still has all the attributes of an elite defense. And actually, if you take Joe Johnson out of games, it's the best <laughs> defense in the NBA by a lot. Yeah, I thought uh, it was weird in the fourth quarter. And like it seemed like the entire game they were going at Rudy in sort of a – it was kind of strange. They like didn't seem scared of him, but it was kind of dumb that they weren't scared of him because, you know, he only had two blocks in the game, but it felt like he was impacting every single thing they were putting up. DeMar didn't really get his floater game going. It seemed like he was scared of that a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, Jonas got a whole bunch on dump-offs or, like, pick-and-pops even, uh, which is a new thing for Jonas this year. It's really strange. But uh, I thought in the fourth quarter, especially in crunch time, it seemed like they were directly attacking the things that the Jazz do best. And they tried their little one-two pick-and-roll that they do all the time between Lowry and Rosen. But when you're doing that with – it's very loud down here. When you're doing that with R- Ricky Rubio is the guy who's going to end up on Rosen. that's not the best move because Rubio is such a good defender. So let's go big picture. I mean I- – when you, when you preview this game, some yeah. of the interesting notes, and sorry, that's just where I am. Like, I'm probably not in analyst mode yet. Yeah, I'm yeah, still yeah. a play-by-play <laughs> mode. So the Jazz run the most picks in the league, and Toronto runs the second most. The Raptors run 
the most drives, the Jazz run the second most, yeah. but the Raptors are a pretty quick pace of play team, the Jazz are the slowest, and yeah. so what you actually see is the Jazz are number one in passes, yeah. and the Raptors are about 19th, so yeah. what does that tell you? There's a lot of fluff that the Jazz do before they get to their offense, and there's not a lot of fluff that the Raptors, the Raptors are coming and hitting you pretty hard. Yeah. The Jazz got back well enough and defensively yeah. that the Raptors then had to play this different game. They yeah. had to play a game where there were a lot of passes, and they were working in a bunch of things, and frankly, the one thing I would say on this game is the Raptors stretch their lead when DeLon Wright and Fred Van Vliet make contested above the break threes yeah. late in the shot clock. Like yeah. <laughs> those are shots that, yeah, it puts you up by, I think, nine or 10, but they weren't. To me, it was like, okay, that's not like they're running their offense and they're getting a bunch of stuff right now. That's, yeah. that's the things aren't working and they, and they were able to, you know, yeah. uh, so I, I thought the Jazz just, and seemingly always do, frankly. The Jazz, whatever reason, rap, match up well against the Raptors. I just thought the Raptors' offense never looked comfortable tonight. The Jazz are one of the best prepared teams in the league. Quinn Snyder's really, really special. Yeah. Um, and so I think – and he has Rudy Gobert, right? And that he helps. has Rudy Gobert. Like, <laughs> Rudy Gobert helps. is unbelievable. Derek Favors was really, really good tonight, too. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that undid the Raptors a little bit. The late game stuff on the Raptors, the numbers are a little disturbing. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the Jazz have not been great late. Um, Interesting, I don't know if you guys heard this, but Donovan Mitchell's post-game interview said he heard Casey yell, double, double, double to Lowry. Okay. So he knew, like, I got to throw I got to throw to Ricky. Frankly, this is a make-or-miss league. Yeah. Like, that's the right play. Um, I think it'll kill you, but I think Rubio's shooting 22% on above-the-break threes this year. Yeah, so, I think the Raptors are, like, happy that that was the shot they ended up with. Maybe Lowry could have rotated back a little bit quicker to contest. I thought Someone Lowry contested was... it. Yeah, I thought Lowry was really poor in this one. Rubio has given Lowry problems. If you go look at Basketball Reference and go look at the two of them and their careers, uh, Lowry's numbers, like the last, and I don't remember what he did in Utah. I think he had a good game, if I'm correctly. But um, his numbers against Rubio have not been great. There's something about what Ricky Rubio, something Ricky Rubio might, I don't know if that's I think it might just be a size thing. I don't know. Like It's it's rare to find a point guard who's that good against Lowry, but... Uh, that was definitely the case tonight. Anything else from this game before uh, you hop on the bus here to head back to Utah? Um, I, I'm really – the thing I couldn't get into is play-by-play as I moved to Alice, but I'm really, really interested to see what Masai does because Masai's in love with his bench and these yeah. young kids he's added. But, frankly, that roster, you can win the Eastern Conference, yeah. but you're short pieces. Yeah. And, like, I'm looking at the Jazz and, like, Pascal Siakam, we'd probably be interested in. DeLon Wright, we'd probably be interested in. Like, DeLon Wright would be a nice guard next to Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he's older. He's – because he was four years in college, but if he can really shoot it, then he's a pretty nice piece. And you guys probably need, like, one of our pieces that I don't want to talk about trading our own guys, but, like, (laughs) there's, you know, we all know who's rumored out there and what's out there, and if you could get any of those guys, they're probably really helpful to you. But is Masai willing to move, like, and even, you know, Jakob Hurdle, I'm not sure he's a starting NBA center, but he'd sure be a great backup to play behind Rudy. Yeah. And I don't know if you're, you know, if he's interested in that for the long run, but that would be another piece where, like, you know, I mean, I could put together a trade right now that makes the Raptors, in my opinion, the Eastern Conference champion, and it would probably cost you Pascal Siakam, DeLon Wright, Jakob Pertl. Yeah. Um, we probably shoot for OG. You're probably not willing to do that. And then I don't know what the salary cap filler would have to be. And I don't, and I think it would make the Raptors the best team in the Eastern Conference. And I don't, and I think the Jazz would profit off it as well, and I don't know if Masai would be willing to do it. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. It's really hard, the situation they're in with 
you know, there's not that much money they can send out because they all are on rookie deals. Like two thirds right. of the roster is on rookie deals. Not a ton of money to send out. Uh, and also, What's I just see Jace number. He's at like eight, I think. So he's uh, your guy. Yeah. So I, I just think the Raptors at this point are kind of happy with where they are. And like, all the season has all the hallmarks of a go forward season, except for the fact that they have this window sort of set up for the next three years. And if you think the Raptors bench is good now, they're all sure. back next season. That's and they're going to be a year more developed, and so that's and LeBron maybe out LeBron of LeBron might be gone. So yeah, I, I don't but think Boston they're might do be really good that too. That is I, true. Uh, yeah, Window, uh, if windows are open, I would take them. That would I, be my only I'm thought. You. David, uh, you got to get on the bus here. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was great to finally meet the boss, man. Uh, you've done a great job. Locked on Raptors, a fabulous show. Uh, you live in an incredible city. I'm certainly I live in Utah, and I'm never jealous of anyone because I ski every day. This is maybe the one city I'm jealous that someone lives in <laughs> over where I live because I win because um, I go ski after shoot around and then go call games and that's a pretty good life um, until I started this damn podcast network and uh, I can't I have too much work to do but no uh, so hey uh, love your team your head coach is doing a great job and uh, I think it'll, it's be a fascinating season you do you guys do great work your fan base is awesome so congratulations David will uh, see you in the finals probably, probably not. not. <laughs> The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, thank you very much to David Locke for coming on the show. Thanks to you for listening. Uh, just a heads up, um, tomorrow I'm recording the first round of uh, trivia. Uh, I'm very excited for this. Uh, of course, the Locked On Raptors Andrea Bargnani Memorial Trivia Tournament starts on Monday uh, with the first episode. I'm recording four trivia matchups tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be very fun. Dan Grant is involved tomorrow, as is Sahal Abdi. And uh, Andrew Joe Potter from the Score. Uh, I had to. If you look at my pinned tweet, it's got the schedule up there. It's a little bit off right now because a couple people with scheduling issues or whatever. But uh, and also Katie Hindle, who was on this week, is going to be uh, on tomorrow as well. So this is going to be fun. Very exciting. Uh, I, I'm super pumped to get these recorded and uh, let the trivia thing begin. Um, until that, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review. Easiest way to help out the show, as always. Please do that. It takes no time at all, and uh, makes me very happy. It strokes my ego and all that good stuff so please do that and uh we will talk to you maybe later today i'm not sure i might do a mailbag podcast today i was gonna do a mailbag post this week but uh just ran out of time (laughs) i couldn't write it uh i'm hopefully gonna do a mailbag podcast though with a special guest so if that happens you will see it if not um just know that i meant to do it and i'm sorry that i didn't do it (laughs) and i will get those questions that came in answered in some form over the next couple days here uh just kind of a hectic couple days so uh thank you so much for tuning in back again later and uh get pumped for the start of the trivia tournament it's gonna be a blast uh have a good day everybody hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today 